It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. Yes, yes. Wow. I love that intro every every week. I love that's the, intro. the best intro in radio right there. It, it is the best intro in radio. And you listen to two of the best guys on radio today. That's Nick Ferguson. You can follow me at Nick Ferguson underscore 25. And he's Mount High Mario. Mario. That's you know me. what? Before we get into it, because we got a great show lined up today, uh, we have Greg Cosell coming up on the show uh, from NFL Films, and he knows his stuff. One of the most trusted guys in the business, and former WBO welterweight champion Tim Brown is going to join the show as well. But before we get into that, uh, we were talking before we started, and I want to go back just a little. And when I grew up, I grew up watching. Then at the time, it was the WWF, but now because of names and things of that nature, they had to change the WWE. But one of my favorite wrestlers, and I say one of them, was the Ultimate Warrior. And he, he gave this, this speech, and I'll let you touch on it, but he gave this speech, and he was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, but shortly after that, he passes away. What's up with that? I, I, really, don't, I really don't get it. I, I really don't get it. Uh, here's a guy who, who waits uh, so many years uh, to, to get himself uh, to the pinnacle where he's recognized by his peers and he's inducted into the, to the uh, WD, WWE Hall of Fame. And then, you know, he passes uh, away. And, and there was a time where I was so ingrained in, in wrestling culture that I thought this stuff was real. You know, you had the junkyard dog. You had Coco Beware, Jake the Snake, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. You had the British Bulldogs. You had all these guys in wrestling. And I used to sit there and watch every weekend. You know, it was the WWF and WCW, the, the Vineric Brothers and, and the Iron Claw. You know, you had all these things. And I'm thinking as a kid, oh, this is awesome. This stuff is real. But as I and got then the day that you the day that you find out it's not real is kind of like finding out that Santa's not real. You know, you're like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> what do you mean? Right? What do you mean they're not actually hitting each other? Like I, I've seen it. They there there's pain on their face. How could you say that? And right. yeah, I mean, what a what a what an entertaining individual, man. The ultimate warrior, and it was so eerie the way everything happened. I mean, and. And thank goodness that he got inducted when he did. You know, he's still alive to see that. The night before he died, he basically gave his own eulogy. It was like, you know, you know, Nick, WWE, you're going to hear a lot of a lot of crap. That just doesn't make any sense. It's these big dudes on a lot of product talking about God knows what. But, man, he got up there. He spoke from his heart, gave people chills. And then the next day passes on. But it's like, what a if you have to go. What a cool way to go, man. Right, right. You know what? You know what? Here's one of my favorite uh, 
uh, wrestlers, you know, Macho Man Randy Savage. And I'm going to give it to you in only the way that Macho Man would be proud of. And he would come out, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm the Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, yeah. And, then, and also, everyone remembers this one, though. And I think this is what made him a phenom. Not just the fact of being a wrestler in his voice, but, but this particular commercial. Oh, yeah, slap it to Slim Jim. Slap it to a Slim Jim. <laughs> Yeah, I think most people people, get Slim Jims. It worked. Yeah, it worked. And most people remember him uh, uh, for that. And, you know, he's not with us as well. But, you know, I love the WWF or WWE, as it's called right now. Uh, I I loved it as a kid. And I still from time to time check it out, even though I I know it's not uh, it's not real. It's kind of a rehearse. But I tell you what, here's a person that is definitely real, you know, NFL senior producer, the realist, and, and NFL films guy himself, the one, the only, Greg Cosell. Greg, thanks for joining the program. Nick, what's happening, my man? Nothing much, nothing much. Hey, Greg, three weeks until the biggest day for some of the college athletes, and that's the NFL draft. Now, everyone's putting up their big boards. Who's at the top? Is it Blake Bortles? If it's Johnny Manziel or is uh, Jadavion Clowney? Who's at the top of your board? Well, you know, I don't do necessarily do mock drafts like everybody, but I'll tell you the players that I think are really, really good players who I wouldn't pass up if I was in the top group of teams. Okay. I would not pass up Khalil Mack. I would not pass up Sammy Watkins. I would not pass up C.J. Mosley, who I think is as complete a linebacker as, as we've seen coming out of college in a while. I think he got the two offensive tackles. Uh, Jake Matthews is more refined. He's more of a player at this point. Greg Robinson would be more of a prospect. But there's not a lot of offensive tackles uh, that are 6'6", 335, that move like Greg Robinson. Um, I think a lot of people will look at Justin Gilbert, uh, the Oklahoma State corner, and right. I'm not sure he's quite at this level, but I think given his size and, and movement, there'll be a lot of teams that'll think he can become a Patrick Peterson-type player. So those are guys who I think are, uh, in my view, based on my film study, should be at the top of teams' boards. And Mr. Cassell, that's why I already respect you more than these other analysts, because it's like, look, I know the general population and the public wants these mock drafts, but then it gets frustrating because you see who your team might be targeting in these mock drafts that all these guys produce, and they're hitting about 10%, 10 to 15% of the people that they have going in their mock drafts. You can't you know, predict when teams are going to trade up or when teams are going to trade yes. down, but I will ask yes. you this. Is yeah, there a I mean, team that you see right now moving up uh, compared to any other team? Who's the most likely team to move up and get one of those big-name players, kind of like we saw the Falcons do a couple of years ago with Julio Jones? Well, theoretically, I guess Atlanta could be in that situation again. They're at number six, and they need defense. Uh, you know, again, I don't know how they feel about Jadavian Clowney. I don't know how they feel about Khalil Mack. I don't think either one of those guys will be there at six. Um, I personally think Mack's best position is 3-4 outside backer in a base defense, and Atlanta does not play a 3-4. But if they, if they feel that Clowney is that guy, uh, they may feel to move up from six to one or two might be worth it. Um, otherwise, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that 
a lot of teams would be looking to move. There's a lot of good players in this draft, and there's a lot of good players from, let's say, 20 to 50 in this draft. And uh, it seems to me you don't want to start giving up draft choices in this draft just, just to get one player. But again, we've seen it before. I could be dead wrong. Right. If you just joined the program, we're talking to NFL scene producer and NFL's films, Greg Cosell. Uh, Greg, when we look at this draft, it's a little uh, different from other drafts. Uh, this class seems to be really deep. And right now, dominate the conversation, it is the quarterback position. And in the NFL right now, everyone's talking about, you know, the passing game, elite quarterbacks. When you evaluate quarterbacks, uh, how important is it that the quarterback has a strong arm? Well, I think it matters. Now, do you have to have an absolute hose? No, you don't. But, Nick, you played in this league. I think that there's always throws in this league where you have to drive the ball at some point down the field. And when I say down the field, I'm not talking about deep balls, 40, 50 yards. I'm talking about those intermediate throws that are, let's say, 15 to 22 yards where you have to sit in the pocket. Maybe the, maybe bodies get around you and you can't step into your throw and you've got to snap it off with some velocity and you've got to put it between people into tighter windows. Uh, that's where arm strength matters. I remember having this conversation with Joe Flacco a number of years ago when he said arm strength wasn't throwing the ball 50 yards. It was putting the ball in between people at 20 yards. And I think at some point in the NFL, you have to do that. You, can't, you can manipulate your quarterback a lot, and it depends on your team, too. If you have a really, really good team, you can ma- manipulate your quarterback better. But I think at some point, you've got to make those throws. So speaking of all that, Mr. Cassell, do you buy into the hype? And I hate using this word, but the media has made this hype around Johnny Menzel. He's the biggest name in college football right now. He's a celebrity. Do you buy into the quote unquote hype or does it depend what team is going to go to the system? Or do you think he can thrive regardless in this league? Because obviously the questions about his height, his size, his arm strength gets called into question. Give me a quick breakdown on the ever-popular Johnny Manziel. Well, I don't really care about all the noise that people talk about. I I watched the tape, and I actually wrote an article that was in Yahoo earlier this week, and and I urge you to read it, and hopefully your listeners will read it as well if they haven't already. Tell us real quick, tell us where, where we can find it on Yahoo. Uh, I'm sure if you go to Yahoo, I, I tweeted it out too. If you follow me on Twitter at Greg Cosell, I tweeted it out probably an hour ago uh, as well after I tweeted it out earlier this week. And you can read the article where I went through all the pros and cons. And there is some real positives with the kid. Uh, he's a very, very light, fluid athlete. Uh, he's, he almost has ballet-like feet. He's got great agility and maneuverability. I think he actually has a pretty live arm, not a powerful arm, but I think when his feet are set, he has a live arm. He's got great vision, particularly when he's on the move. These are all positives. Uh, the concerns you would have is he is short, and that automatically gives you some vision limitations from playing in the pocket. 
The other thing is his arm doesn't always play as a live arm because his lower body mechanics are not very good a good part of the time because when he does see pressure, whether it's real or perceived, and that's another issue, perceiving pressure, is his lower body mechanics are not very good and the ball doesn't come out very well. It loses energy. Uh, These are just some of the things you have to think about. You have to weigh the pros and the cons, and then you have to decide how you're going to use him. What's your plan? Can, Can you play in the NFL like he played at Texas A&M? Or do you have to tightly manage and control him, kind of like Russell Wilson in Seattle? And Russell Wilson was on a great team with a great run game and a great defense. You may not be so fortunate if you draft Johnny Manziel with a high pick. Right. Well, here's a question. Chris Johnson uh, just signed with the New York Jets. You know, what do you think that he can bring to the Jets to now give them ability to dethrone the New England Patriots. Well, I think the reason Chris, Chris Johnson was on the market first and foremost is because he no longer became a foundation back. And, right. and the reason he didn't was not because he wasn't breaking off long runs. Those don't happen all that much in the league, as we know. But he was not a sustainer. He, he was not getting more than what was blocked. And you can't be a sustainer if you can't get more than what's blocked. Just look at Marshawn Lynch, Adrian Peterson, Frank Gore, backs like that. When it's blocked for three, they get six. And those extra three yards are critical. Chris Johnson was not that kind of back the last couple of years. And it's why Tennessee, with a new coaching staff, decided, you know what? He can't be a foundation back. He's not that guy. So now it's a great signing for the Jets, though. I don't think he'll be that guy with the Jets because I don't think he's that guy. But the Jets have no explosive players. I mean, they need anybody who has some explosion to their game. So how they choose to use them will be interesting as they go through their off-season programs and training camp. But I don't think you're going to see him carry the ball 22, 23 times a week. So you're talking about explosive players and, you know, the New York Jets fans are getting excited because they brought in Michael Vig, even though they drafted Geno Smith early last year, brought in Eric Decker. And, you know, I'm a Denver resident. I cover Denver sports locally. I know all about Eric Decker and his show and his capabilities. And then they bring in Chris Johnson. And it just seems like a lot of really great signings if you're playing Madden in 2011. I mean, (laughs) what is realistically, what is the ceiling for these guys? Like, can they all come together kind of like the island of misfit overpaid toys and bring the Jets back to... Well, the Jets, the Jets were stuck a bit because they really had very little in the way of skill position players. So I don't think if you spoke to anybody in the league, there'd be any illusions about Eric Decker. He's a very nice receiver, but Eric Decker is not going to change coverage. He, he's not going to force a defense to put a safety over the top of him. He's a really nice receiver. The, he, it was the perfect situation for him. He was a free agent. The Jets needed a receiver. They went and got him, and they paid him. That, hey, that's the way it works. That's great for the players. That's the way it should work. But there's exactly. no illusion about what Eric Decker is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we saw it in Denver. He was the most effective with Peyton Manning throwing in the ball, obviously, Demarius Thomas on the other side. He really has no receiver. I mean, obviously, no receiver like Demarius Thomas to protect him out there. But you know what? I, I know Eric Decker. He's a really, really cool guy. And obviously, we in Denver, we wish him nothing but the best. He was actually a fan favorite, believe it or not, uh, because of his show. Women who didn't watch football, they were Eric Decker fans, and thus they were Denver Bronco fans. Well, you know, it, it, it's, 
it's funny because if, if you're familiar with Denver, I remember two years ago or three years ago when Tebow was the quarterback, oh, and everybody we all remember no that receivers, and, Eric, and and everybody said Eric Decker stinks, and if Tebow had receivers, boy, he'd be a good player. And this is not to get into a discussion of Tebow, but it's interesting how then Peyton Manning comes in, and all of a sudden Eric Decker's catching 85 balls for 1,200 yards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, absolutely. Well, Greg, I'm going to ask you this question. I mean, and there's been a lot of rumors surrounding who is going to take over for the Buffalo Bills, and the name that's emerged is Donald Trump. Do you think that Donald <laughs> Trump, you know, and his cash shake, can he, can he mesh well with the NFL coaches, I mean, the NFL owners? Well, you know, once you own a team, Nick, I guess you can do whatever you want. So if he becomes the owner, <laughs> I guess we'll find out if he's, you know, hands-on. I mean, he strikes me as a hands-on guy, and I don't know the man, you know, but just from what you read and what you see. So, right. I, again, uh, that all depends. You know, very often when that happens, uh, look, you can look at Jerry Jones in, in, in uh, Dallas. I think Dallas, over the last... Oh, I think since the end of sort of the Troy Aikman era, if I'm not mistaken, they are 500 exactly. That's their record over something like the last, I don't know, 10, 12, 13 years. Uh, my numbers are, might be off in terms of the years, but, but they're exactly 500. I'm sure a lot of people would say that uh, he's involved too much. You know, I'm not there on a daily basis, so I couldn't tell you what goes on in their building. But if an owner wants to get involved, he has the right to get involved. He owns the team. Well, we only have a couple of minutes left, uh, Greg. Really quickly, tell me, you know, if you're the Houston Texans, what do you do with that first pick? Do you take Clowney? Do you go Manziel? Or do you trade, back, trade down? Well, this, you might find this bold and controversial, but I personally would take Khalil Mack. Okay. Because I, wow. I really like Khalil Mack as a player. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Clowney to me, and this has nothing to do with, with any of the extraneous stuff. I've watched a ton of Clowney on tape, and there's no question about his explosive straight-line movement. He can run down a line of scrimmage. If he's unblocked, he can make spectacular plays. Uh, but at this point in time, I don't see him as a natural bender. I, don't think, I think he's a great athlete, but not a great pass rusher. I think there's a difference between athletic skill and football skill. And I'm not saying he won't get there, but I'm not sure yet that he's... I don't see him, at, as we speak today, in a transcendent way the way others do, based on my film study. Well, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. You heard it from someone who's been doing a long time in the business. That's Greg Cosell. You can find him on Twitter at Greg uh, Cosell. Greg, thank you for joining the program. And maybe we can have you back on after May 8th to, to break down uh, the teams and who they decided to finally go with with the NFL draft. Thank you again for joining the program. Thank right, you so guys, much, Mr. Cosell. Thank you. There it is. After the break, coming back, Tim Bradley is going to talk about what's next for him. Uh-oh. Who's he going to fight? So stick around for that. This is Nick Ferguson on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickfergshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. I'll tell you what, that was some great stuff, some great insight from uh, Greg Cosell. Uh, If you don't follow him, you need to follow him on Twitter. I mean, like I said before, he's been in the business for years. He is the nephew of the one and only Howard Cosell for those individuals. Legend. 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 For those of you young cats that don't know who who, uh, Howard Cosell is. You better recognize. Go YouTube it. This guy was uh, uh, brilliant. One thing you might want to go YouTube as well. Uh, Howard Cosell and Muhammad Ali, the, the exchange that those two ha- uh, had with one another. I mean, it is that classic. Greatest, that was one of the greatest interviews I've ever seen, man. And Muhammad Ali, anybody could have talked to him. But Cosell, did you see uh, <laughs> Did you see the movie Ali that Will Smith was in? Yeah, I saw that movie yeah. several times. That, when they recreated that in the movie, dude, it was fantastic. <laughs> that, was, that was my favorite part of the movie. It was such a great iconic interview and it just really epitomized who Muhammad Ali was and who Cassell was. It was awesome. Well, you know what? I'm going to tell you what I'm excited for too as well. And we're going to get into into that at the bottom of the segment. But uh, every week we get into our Real Talk segment. Last week we didn't do it so much, but uh, everyone was hitting me up on, on, on Twitter and uh, on my email about Real Talk. And, well, people were and, upset, man. We got we to gotta yeah. give them what they want. Yeah, and you know what? And you're going to love what's on Real Talk uh, this week. Talking a little bit, you know, L.A. Lakers, uh, Chad Johnson, of course, oh, is, 
finds himself in the media again. He's you know what? It's been a, it has been a while since Ocho Cinco has been in the news. I am so glad we could talk about him again. Dude, he's like, he was Tim Tebow before Tim Tebow, where he just wanted people to talk about him, and people just did, because he just did stuff that was noteworthy. It's like the smallest microcosm could happen to Tim Tebow, and it would have to be news. Even man, we're talking to we're talking to Cassell, and I'm talking to him about Eric Decker and you know how we know him in Denver. And still, Mr. Ferguson, <laughs> Tim Tebow gets brought up. He can't be avoided, man. He's an anomaly. I don't even think he's like a real human being. He was saying, you know what? I think the one person that is the biggest advocate for Tim Tebow, and, and that's Skip Bayless. Even talking about Johnny Manziel, Skip Bayless finds a way to bring Tim Tebow's name up into the conversation. It's just like, Always. why? It's like, why? Has, has <laughs> because it it's Tebow, on? man. That's, that's just how it, that's like the rule of sports physics. No. Like that's, that's the universe, dude. You can't avoid it. And I still remember, Nick, I was an intern <laughs> for Vic Lombardi and Gary Miller on 102.3 The Ticket back when the Broncos were going on this ridiculous run in that season when Tim Tebow was the quarterback. And the worst thing that happened was they got bought out by ESPN. Vic and Gary got bumped. So in one of, in arguably, at that time, one of the most entertaining times in Denver sports and in Denver Broncos history, I didn't have a show to, to piggyback onto. <laughs> I couldn't talk about Tebow. So I just had to call. You know, did you ever make prank calls, Nick? I would make prank calls, but instead of saying, is your refrigerator running? I'd be like, yo, I want to talk some Tim Tebow. Who is this? And he'd be like, hey, stop calling me at dinner time. <laughs> Wait a minute. What are, you, what are you, the jerky boys calling people up, crank calling them? Come on. I don't, I don't prank call people. That's, no, that's not something you know I, what I had to say about Tebow. Oh, come on, man. Wait, first of all, see, see, we're talking about how much airtime Tebow has received, even though he's not in the league. And what are we doing right now? We're giving him more airtime. Oh, man, the a Tebow show is always a good show. That's what I'm saying. No, no, no. <laughs> for, forget for, for, forget the T, uh, Tim Tebow show. You know, what? I, I want just I want to talk a little bit of uh, NBA basketball for a second. Okay. Let's talk about little, little NBA basketball. You know, of course, the, the, the season is over. Uh, the brackets have been set. And just like I said, you know, everyone was saying, okay, OKC and Kevin Durant is scoring all these points, and he's going to be the league MVP. But everyone forgot about Greg Popovich and the, the San Antonio Spurs. You know what? I say that they're, going, they're lying in the weeds. No one's really talking about them. Like every uh, year. Every year, and somehow they find a way to get into the playoffs and dominate, even with an older roster, as people like to say, uh, Park is always injured, Tim Duncan, and Ginobili. But, but Pop finds a way to get this team prepared for the playoffs. So now we, we know what the East is. Now the East is the Pacers and the Miami Heat. But and that's it. At, that, that's it. That's it. Now, now you, might have, you might have something that may be the Brooklyn Nets, maybe the Chicago Bulls, maybe. But we know what the East is, but we move over to the West. Now, what team for you could possibly, possibly dethrone the Spurs? You know what? I am going to go back to last season. I love the Golden State Warriors. I love the way that they played the Spurs last year. They are still a young team. They are a cocky team. 
And they have all the pieces. And you know what? I was really surprised that they didn't have a better season because all the players are there. Like, they're they're in place. But Steph Curry struggled a little bit at times, really an inconsistent shooter. But if he gets hot, and man, this whole team got hot in the playoffs last year. I know. I'm a Nuggets fan. I saw it firsthand that they just beat the snot of our, out of our three-seeded Nuggets, and they just fell into oblivion. This is a soul-crushing team. And so if there's a team that could possibly beat them, that's not the obvious Oklahoma City Thunder, the Golden State Warriors, man, that's my uh, my dark horse team for the second year in a row. Well, well, you know what? I like what, you know, Mark Jackson has done with that team. And earlier this week, there was talks about whether he was going to remain with the team. They if they missed the playoffs or whatever. All I know is when you talk about Golden State. You know, this is a team that's definitely changed the culture. He's come in and he's done a lot for that team because uh, this was a franchise that pretty much was left for dead. No one was talking about Golden State, but you bring in two shooters, you put some other pieces around, you bring in Mark Jackson, and now they're a playoff-bound team. To me, you can't get rid of Mark Jackson. And you talked about Klay Thompson and and, and Steph Curry. These two are two of the best shooters in the NBA you know, I've seen in, in a while on the same team. It, it would just be like having two Reggie Millers on the <laughs> set, on the floor at the same time, right? Whoa, whoa, whoa! That's that's a little uh, that's a little spicy, though. But why? I mean, <laughs> why? Tell, you know, what, me- dude, Reggie Miller is the greatest shooter, maybe besides Larry Bird of all time. I don't know if I put Curry and Clay Thompson there yet. But you know, did you see what Clay Thompson said about Blake Griffin? I thought this was hilarious, and I think this just kind of encapsulates the way that the Golden State Warriors are as a team. He's like, I don't understand how Blake Griffin is so big and strong and muscular, and he still flops as much as he does. I'm just like, dude, first off, Blake Griffin would murder you if he was in the same room. He he is a beast, but does he flop a lot? What do you think? Did Was, was there any traction to that statement? Is Clay Thompson just trying to get him fired up and thinking about it and maybe Blake Griffin will play a little out of control? Well, you know, you know, the game, they say, you know, it, it's, it's a mental game. And if you can talk and get in the heads of your opponents, and we'll get to a little bit of that later in the last segment, we talk about the Detroit Pistons and the Bad Boys and how they used to impose their will physically and mentally. But I think Clay was trying to trying to build on that and trying to use that to, to talk some sense into Blake. And when you look at well, the caliber, yeah, but when you look at the caliber of play of, of, of Blake, you know, think about this now. And, and, and I'm going to make this comparison. Is Blake not, you know, a, a younger version of Dominique Wilkins, a guy who has all this power and he can he's a dunker, but he's never developed an all around game. So to me, Blake Griffin is like Dominique Wilkins. He's he's this version of this generation version of Dominique Wilkins and made Clay Clay was right. Maybe hey, he does think, pop a little bit. I think that's spot on. Dominique, what was Dominique Wilkins best known for, man? His dunks. dunks. It's the same thing with Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin will get you 20 and 10 any given night, and he's going to do it real flashy. But if you need someone like, you know, a ball handler, and he's very blessed to have Chris Paul handling the point guard right there, because anybody else, man, that team would struggle. They don't have a natural leader. I don't see Blake Griffin as a natural leader. He's a guy that will get you the big dunk. He will throw it down in some dude's face, and he will stare him down. But he's not going to fire his team up from a mental aspect. He's going to lead by example, 
but he needs a guy like Chris Paul to regulate him. If he doesn't have a top point guard, Blake Griffin is not Blake Griffin. He can't, he can't create shots for himself, Nick. They got to get him going. They got to get him moving in space. Let him leap, and that's where he's effective. If you give him the ball and give him isolation, he will not score 8 out of 10 times. Well, you got to give it to Doc Rivers because what Doc Rivers tried to do to change his game, knowing that he's not a true offensive threat. I mean, he can't really take you off the dribble. He's right. created a lot of a lot of uh, set shots for him to get inside uh, the pain area to utilize, you know, that maybe an elbow jump or something like that. But but Doc Rivers has done a great job with Blake Griffin. Does he have to do develop more as a basketball all around basketball player? Yes. Now, once he does that. Now we can really start talking about the Clippers as being one of the upper echelon teams in the NBA and in the West as well. But going back to the original question where I asked you about what team could possibly dethrone uh, the Spurs, I'll tell you this. I, I really don't think uh, th- there is a team. I mean, uh, you, you look at OKC, they're very athletic. You have uh, KD, of course, and you have Michael Westbrook. But, but still, you go, but nothing beats veteran leadership I mean, they're long, they're tall in the front court, and they, they, they're pretty decent in the, in the back court. But as long as you have Popovich, Ginobili, and Parker, to me, there's no way you, you, you defeat that team. And I still like the Spurs. And, I, and I, I'm going out on a limb on this, okay? Now, I'm going Agreed. out on a limb on this. I'm going to go ahead and, and predict maybe the Miami Heat and the Spurs again for the NBA championship. Spurs Heat rematch? Spurs, Spurs Heat rematch and speaking of speaking of heat let's go with a little desert storm heat uh on the line joining us right now former wbo welterweight champion tim bradley joins the program tim thank you for joining us hey not a problem and how you guys doing hey doing great man thanks for coming on thanks for your time appreciate it it's all good man thanks for having me on all right all right tim before the fight there was a lot of talk and a lot of hype build the fight up and it was one of those one of the more anticipated fights. But, but you start off by saying that Pacquiao wasn't a compassionate uh, fighter. Uh, how did that change your approach to this fight to begin with? Well, I, you know, uh, for one thing, I, you know, Pacquiao, uh, you know, Freddie Roach basically said that Pacquiao is too compassionate towards his opponents, towards his, his spawn partners, towards a, uh, towards a lot of... A lot of uh, a lot of different things. Uh, he said he was very compassionate. With even in our first appearance, he said that, "Oh, the reason why I didn't knock you out was because, uh, you know, I, I, you know, God told me not to knock you out." So um, that's the reason why I came up with the assumption that, man, this guy's he's too, too, too nice, too nice in the ring, and uh, I said, you know, he shows too much compassion towards his opponents. You know, this is something I was something interesting, man. I was looking at your previous fights. The first time that you fought Pacquiao, you gave yourself seven months in between fights to prepare for Pacquiao. This time around, you only waited six months. I mean, are you a superstitious guy? Because I played baseball growing up, and I was all about superstition. And something like that, that would stick out to me and be like, hey, if I'd given myself one more month, then I'd win that fight. Or did you not think about it till now? No, nah, I haven't. I haven't really thought about that, honestly. Uh, what I really thought about was uh, maybe, maybe my I didn't get enough. Uh, I didn't get enough calories. <laughs> you know, uh, the week of the fight, um, I'm not sure what happened because um, I ran out. Of, I ran out of juice. It was, it was like I wasn't tired, 
But um, I, I think I ran out. I ran out of a little gas. I don't know what it was, man. I wasn't breathing hard or anything. It just I felt really fatigued in the ring, and uh, so I got to go back and, and assess what I ate during the week and and see if you know if I you know took the right amount of vitamins or had the right right amount of uh, calories, man, to uh, to fight at that pace because I came out, man. I came out really fast in the fight, and uh, it could have been for me just man winging big punches, man, early on and. And uh, Pacquiao was being very relaxed and, you know, catching shots and, and uh, just being very poisoned there. And uh, it kind of gassed me out. Well, you if know you what, man? Joining, if you're just joining the program right now, we're talking to former WBO welterweight uh, champion Tim Bradley. Go right ahead, Mario. I was just going to say, man, real quick, nothing to hang your hat on when you have 30 wins, 31 wins and 33 fights, 12 knockouts, man. So, you know, don't hang your head. You're still an extremely talented boxer. I absolutely love watching you fight. So just just stay with it, man. You're going to be champ again. Oh, yeah, without a doubt, man. I mean, it's just like it's just like when you're a kid, man, you you learn to crawl, you learn to, you know, you're about to learn to, to, to walk. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna fall. You're gonna you're gonna bump your head. You're gonna get you know bruises and scrapes and things, man. It's just the same. It's the same exact thing. It's like, are you gonna stop walking because of that? No. I mean, there's you know you win sometimes. Sometimes you lose sometimes. Absolutely. When you're fighting the best, when you're fighting the best fighters in the world, man, um, there's always always a fifty fifty chance, you know. And uh, Pacquiao's prepared uh, a little bit more than I was that night, man. And he fought a great strategy, great game plan, and uh. You know, he beat me. So, I mean, you can't, you know, I can't complain about it. Just got a man up. I mean, I can dish a butt whoop, and I, did, I dished 31 of them uh, mm-hmm. when I came up short this time. So, I mean, I'll be back. I'll be back even stronger this time. I know I got to get a little bit more discipline outside of the ring and uh, focus a little bit more. And uh, this is just a rude awakening for me, man. Amen, bro. Well, well Tim, I mean, I read somewhere that you are practicing vegan. Uh, yeah. Did that play a part of the lack of energy in the later rounds? No, yeah, I never had that problem. Normally, I, 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 for five years, I've been, I've been practicing the vegan diet. I've been ado- adopted like during my training camps, and I've never had that problem. I am getting up in age. I'm be thirty. Um, I have been in some tough fights, but I, I'm not sure what happened, man. I'm honestly not sure. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go back and reassess everything, and uh, when I start training again. Because uh, I did suffer injury in this fight, I'll be off for a little while, but uh, nothing, nothing too crazy. But um, I just gotta go back and assess, man, and I gotta try different things and see how I feel, and uh, maybe, maybe I may, may, possibly may integrate, you know, fish and meat or chicken or something back in my diet, and just see how I feel when I train. But uh, something, something didn't work out well. I'm not sure. Maybe I didn't run enough. Maybe I know I sparred a, <laughs> I sparred a numerous amount of rounds. Sparred over 160 rounds. Uh, maybe I overworked. Uh, I'm not sure, but uh, we'll figure it out. Well, well you know what, uh, Tim, do you feel that you're still considered uh, by some to be an underdog, especially after, you know, the record that you display fighting Pacquiao twi- twice and just kind of showing just the, uh, just the barrage of throws that you can throw in, in the ring? Do you still feel as though uh, in the fight world uh, people still consider you to be an underdog? Uh. I, I doubt that now. Um, nobody really, really took it back out the way I did in this fight. No one's really stood out and fought back out the way I did. Um, you know, even though even though I lost the fight, it's like I gained so much more credit from all the fans and, and millions of people that was watching the fight because you know they paid their hard-earned money 
to watch a fight, and they saw a fight, man. They saw a fight that that night. So uh, a lot of people are very pleased with the performance that I put on. Uh, granted, I lost, but you know, actually, man, I, like I won a lot of fans over, man. Um, yeah. A lot of Pacquiao fans. Uh, they say, you know what? I wasn't a, I wasn't a fan of yours, but man, you know, it was a great performance, great job, way to fight back. Way, you know, and and people are saying that, you know. I'll be back. They're like, yeah, no problem, man. You you you're at the top. I feel like the respect is there from the media, from the fans, and from people around the world. They know I can fight, and uh, you know we we just played a great a great show, man. A great performance against Pacquiao. Even though we came up short, it's all right, man. We do we did our very best, and people respect that. Tim, I got two more questions before I okay. let you get out of here. Uh, what's basically next for you because of your record? You know, fighting. Pacquiao twice, and like you said, you won some new fans over, you won some of Pacquiao fans over, now do you think you can just go out and say, well, pick and choose who you want to fight, and if so, who would you want to fight at this point? Uh, I, I just want to fight the best. Hey, that, that's plain and simple. I, I'm not a pick and choose, I pick this guy, I pick this guy because he's easy. No, I, I want to fight the best, man. In order to be the best, you got to fight the best. Right. And I go back and I tell people all the time, and they say, well, how important was your O? I was like, my, my O is not important. I said, some of the greatest fighters in the history of boxing, you know, have losses on their resume. I said, they do. I said, look at Muhammad Ali. He has five losses. I mean, you look, you look at Chavez, you know, he has losses. I mean, you, you look right. at all these great fighters. Look at, look at Pacquiao. I believe he has five or six losses. Marquez has five or six losses. I mean, the, all of these guys, they have losses on their resume, but, you know, these guys, they stand out because they fight the best. And me, I want to fight the best. So, um, you know, I'm not sure I'm not sure who's next, but I know when I step in the ring, it's going to be against one of the, one of the best <laughs> fighters in the world, man. Uh, that's plain and simple. There's, there's no easy task for, for, for the Desert Storm, man. I want to fight the best. I'm a risk taker because I want to be the best. Well, la- final question, Tim. Okay, after the, the final chapter is written on your career, how do you want the boxing world to remember you? Well, I, I, I definitely want to be remembered as a, as a good person, man, because at the end of the day, if you're not a good person, man, and, and you don't, you know, change people's lives, man, just by, just by them looking at you being inspired, then, I mean, what was the point of even doing the job or doing what you do, right. what you love to do? I mean, that's, that's the most important thing to me is that people look at me as, as, as a good person, you know, and uh, secondly, uh, yeah, I want people to respect and to understand, you know, my craft, man, and, and you know how hard I work, the work ethic that I put in the, in the gym, and I worked hard, man. And I, and I do extensive drug testing um, for each each fight. I do double drug testing. So, I mean, I show you I'm a clean athlete. I, it's 100%, 100% hard determination and will and hard work, and I want people to respect that. And uh, I also want to be known as a, hey, <laughs> this guy was an underdog, man. He's an underdog. <laughs> He's a small guy. But you know what? This guy came to fight, man. So, but I, I know I know one day I'll, I'll, be in the, I'll be in the record books, man. I'll be definitely in the Hall of Fame. That's my goal. I want to be remembered uh, from time on, you know, when time continues, man. And I'm dead and gone. I want to be remembered as one of the best fighters in the world. And I'm on that course, man. I, I truly feel that I'm on that course by fighting the best and, and beating the best. And uh, that's how I want to be remembered, man. It's one of, one of the best, best junior welterweights or welterweights in the world or in this time, man. Tim, you know, someone just sent me a, a question, and I, and I have to ask you. I don't know if you're into comic books, but if you were a superhero, what would you be? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who I would be. <laughs> I mean, I, I would have let them uh, let them pick that, man. If they, that's the question they ask, I mean, I'm not sure who I would be. But uh, you know, the fans and, and all the people, they can they can answer that for you. Man. Who well, you they think say, I'd be? 
Well, 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 you know what? The, the, the same person who sent this in said that, you know, uh, there's a Marvel's uh, a movie that's coming out, and it's, uh, there's, a, there's a character, and he's, he likes to tumble them and jump around or whatever, and he's really tough and scrappy, sort of like yourself, and he goes by yeah. the name of Puck. Puck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to have to look Puck up, man. <laughs> well, if he says I'm like that, then I'm tough and scrappy, man, and then that's what it is, then. Absolutely. All right, I Tim, thank that. you for joining the program. That's former WBO welterweight champion Tim Bradley. You can see him rising back to uh, that championship level sometime soon. Great guy. I-, I love his story. And at some point, I got to uh, go up to where he is and uh, sit down and-, and get the feel for Tim Bradley, the man, not just the-, the boxer. You listen to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective on Voice America Sports. <laughs> The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move oh, on. I just, and get I just ready think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. It's like that sometimes, I mean ridiculous. It's like that sometimes, ridiculous. If you're hearing that music, that can only mean one thing. It's time for Real Talk. Mario. Yes, sir. I know, uh, uh, you know, the segment with Tim Bradley was just was, was awesome. Uh, I know we ran a little, little over, so we're going to speed through Real Talk segment. So, the first thing on Real Talk, dig this. Now, Five-time Pro Bowl wide receiver Chad Johnson, Ocho Cinco, but I call him Ocho Cinco de Mayo. Uh, he had a workout <laughs> with 
CFLs, Montreal Alouettes, and I have to ask this question. Could this be enough to convince any NFL team to dip back into that Chad Johnson pool? You know what? You call him Ocho Cinco de Mayo. I call him Ocho Stinko. Look, Nick, <laughs> when he signed with the Patriots a couple of years ago and he had the luxury of playing with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and he had one touchdown the entire year, now he thinks that going to Canada is going to rejuvenate his career somehow? Give me a break, bro. Ocho Stinko, you're done. Stick to reality television. Real talk. All right. We talked to Greg Cosell about this, but... It has to come up in real talk. Donald Trump wants to buy the Buffalo Bills, and he says if he purchases the team, he's going to keep them in Buffalo. Here's the question. Will the other owners welcome him to the fold, or will Jerry Jones keep him out because he doesn't want to be outwitted by another popularity owner in Donald Trump? Real talk. I think it's going to depend. He'll he'll get different looks different feels from each of the owners but if you're going to talk specifically about jerry jones i think that he is going to hate having donald trump in the league why because jerry jones right now is the most polarizing owner in the nfl i'm not saying that's a good thing i'm not saying it's a bad thing but let's be honest it's a bad thing if donald (laughs) trump buys the bills and he keeps them in buffalo who cares man they're basically a canadian team they're gonna play a couple team the couple games in canada buffalo is really they're not on the track to be relevant anytime soon so yeah if this they think can help their team and he's gonna bring in some money and at least some publicity it's worth a shot real talk i'm cool with it all right happy birthday bill belichick but Here's the question. What would it take to get either Greg Popovich, head coach of the San Antonio Spurs, and Bill Belichick, head coach of the Patriots, to smile for once? Real talk. I'm going to answer this question the way that uh, Bill Belichick would. <laughs> um, you know, I guess you could just go ahead and get out there and you know, <laughs> we, have a, we have a plan, you know, to make me smile. And if we, if we execute it correctly, then... Uh, yeah, we'll see. But, you know, even if we do, I probably won't smile. Honest to God, man, I think the only time that he's going to smile or that he could possibly smile and he's, <laughs> is when he's about to be put into the ground and the coroner or whoever cleans up the body after the death, they put a little smile on his face. You know, they, like, put some pins in his cheeks and bring up that smile. But it's going to be difficult because throughout his life, he had never made that motion with his mouth before. As far as Popovich is concerned, he has a little bit more of a personality than Bill Belichick does. But when it comes to smiling, man, I don't see him smiling either. He's won, national, or he's won uh, championships in the NBA. He's widely regarded as the best coach in the NBA right now. And it won't do it for him. I think when he retires and then I, I, I see him being a member of the media. He'll smile when he's done with the NBA because he is a character. But if you could do something about that face, then we're talking. Well, I don't see either guy smiling anytime in the near future. But two teams that, two storied franchise that thought coming into 2014-2013 season would actually find themselves in the NBA playoffs, not so much. The Knicks and the Lakers, both teams find a way to win their final games But the Lakers dig this. The Lakers, numbers on the Lakers, most losses, 55. Largest margin of defeat, 48. Most 20-point losses, 13. And the most different starting lineups 
35, but Kobe Bryant was, wasn't there. He was in Europe. Can you say le French toast, le French fry, and you can say le loser? <laughs> so what do you think about Kobe Bryant not being there? Dude, I think that he is just a big, whiny, crybaby, attention seeker douchebag. I'm sorry. I know we're not supposed to use language like that. But let's be perfectly honest, man. Who does crap like that? Your team is struggling. You could go there to practice. I'm talking about practice. You could help them. You are Kobe freaking Bryant. You're telling me that you can't help out this young squad a little bit? And then you go on Twitter. You go on rants about how the team sucks. And then you leave early. Early for your vacation and don't support your teammates. I don't care who the hell you are, Nick. You are not allowed to do that. Any slight bit of respect I still had for Kobe Bryant is gone. Real talk. I hope he never plays in the NBA again. Wow. I mean, that that's talk about a verbal onslaught. I don't know who you went in more on. Was it Carmelo's Anthony's wife, Lala? Oh, let's not let's not go there. I'm already fired up, Nick. We don't have enough time left in the show to start talking about Lala. We're, we're not even going to go there. Switching, switching gears for a second. <laughs> Brandon Lloyd was at the game for uh, the entire last season. Now he's joining back, reuniting with the San Francisco 49ers, but is that going to be enough to push them forward in the NFC West? But also, take this in consideration, both Colin Kaepernick and Alden Smith found themselves, that's right, on the ticker, the four-letter network ticker, this month. What does that say about the 49ers? Is there structure and stability there? Real talk. Here's the thing, man. I talked to B. Lloyd, and he made it seem like they were desperate for him. They were begging him to come back. And you know what? It makes sense because if he's not in the league, he doesn't need the money. Unless they're giving him a great offer and just kissing his butt, why would he come back? But he did. And here's the thing. People consider him a cancer in the locker room. He is a difficult player to understand because you know how talented he is. You know what a great natural receiver he is. If he goes to a place where he can be the star and he can be a stud, then I think he'll enjoy it. That kind of stuff, it's not acceptable in New England. San Francisco, I can see it. But as far as Colin Kaepernick, I will tell you this, Nick. Someone close to Colin Kaepernick that I talked to said this is all nonsense. This is all a girl trying to get attention. I'm like, how do you know that? How can you say that? And this person who shall remain nameless told me, hey, I knew him in college. He did not like white women. This is all nonsense. And I was like, all right, sold. Real talk. Well, we have to wait to see how that plays out in court Uh, real quick in five seconds. Chris Johnson, I thought he was going to sign with the Broncos. That didn't work. So he signed with the Lofu New York Jets. Does it mean anything or not? Real talk. It means, it means nothing, man. Real talk, clearly it was all about the money. Broncos weren't giving him as much money as the Jets were, so he went to New York. Whatever. Go average 2.3 yards a carry instead of five and a half. Well, I tell you what. Hey, we don't know. We'll see what happens. But I don't think the Jets are a contender, and I would have chosen another team. Well, I would like to thank Greg Cosell. You can find him at Greg uh, Cosell on Twitter. Tim Bradley, you know, great, great guy, a great boxer, a bright future ahead of him. Also, I want to thank the Church of Scientology Celebrity Center and my three amigos for coming through. As always, Justin on the boards, Mario Vitanzi at Mile High Mario. I am Nick Ferguson. You can find me at Nick Ferguson underscore 25. NBA playoffs start this week. Hope your team 
gets it done. And remember, go Bobcats. <laughs> don't take any wood nickels and don't put money on the Bobcat. Until next Thursday. <laughs> <laughs>